0: Welcome to BibleQuest.org, the Tuesday edition. We're glad you're able to join us today. And I think we're live. Jonathan, we are live right now, aren't we? Yes, we are. Okay, good. Glad to have everybody with us. Uh, and let's see, if you're coming in on the Facebook page, you know how to add your comments in the comment box there, and we'll be monitoring there. Uh, that's Je- uh, Scott Smelter's Facebook page. If you're coming in on a Zoom app, then just use the Zoom app chat window. Uh, with that said, I am Drew DeGrotto, your host. I'm glad to be able to be here with everybody. Let me bring in our panelists. John, Jonathan, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I've been a little sleep deprived over the last couple of weeks, but um, I'm alive and let, uh, let glad me, to be back with you guys.
0: Let me be the first at least on Bible Quest program live to congratulate you reason Jonathan's losing some sleep. He's a proud father of a new baby boy. What's your baby boy's name?
1: His name's Ray Jonathan. So uh, named after my grandfather and after uh, after me. So he's doing good, but uh, he doesn't like sleeping at night. (laughs)
0: That's the first thing they do, right? Also, our program director, Scott Smeltzer is with us. Hi, Scott. How are you doing? This makes you a grandfather how many times over? Number five. Fantastic. Congratulations. Um, uh, Before we get into what we're going to talk about today, I'd like to introduce a guest panelist today, Don Bunting. Some of you may be familiar with Don and know him from working in the New York City area, actually working in New York City. Uh, Don, how are you doing? Welcome to Bible Quest. I'm doing all right. Thanks for the chance to be here. Having a good day. Excellent, excellent. So the question that was given, brought in, um, submitted to us by one of our viewers, is this. Let me go ahead and read it. It says, uh, "How to teach teenagers the Word of God so that it, that so that they can see Him in their lives? How can you find the way to neutralize all the false doctrines and agendas that they are exposed to?" Very good question and very appropriate. Uh, Don, what do you wanna say about that?
2: Well, I've given the question some thought and there's two sides to it that I might address just uh, initially just in a couple of statements. One is it's a question of communicating with young people and uh, we'll talk more about this later, but uh, basically young people, teenagers at least and and, uh, young adults, they they can be treated like adults. They are intelligent, they can think. And I think when they get that kind of respect, they, they respond well. And, and uh, uh, I think our, our panelists want to talk about that some more. And the other part of it is warning them against uh, error or false teaching, uh, erroneous ideas. And um, uh, I again, I think we need to approach that problem the same way we would in helping uh, older people uh, adults uh, to be careful about listening to error and uh, falling prey to false teaching. And uh, there is a there is a particular passage that I want to refer to. Um, it, it, it's 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 second Peter really the whole letter, but we'll just touch on a couple of high points. Uh, Second Peter, the, the issue of spiritual growth and then uh, the importance of being ready to ward off false teaching is, is clearly the, the, the focus of that letter. Um, let me just outline it real fast and then we'll get into our discussion. But in, in chapter one, like verses one through four, the text is emphasizing knowledge that everything that we get from God and, and in fact, all things that pertain to life and godliness uh, are received through a knowledge of him. And by knowing God, we understand life and living, and we understand godly life
0: and living. John, I have a question, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that context, then, it, 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 there are many people that don't attribute the f- faith in Jesus Christ with knowledge. It's a lot of emotion. But you're, you're telling us, we see here in, in Second Peter, that there is knowledge in, is involved in all of this. Well, yeah,
2: in this first half of this chapter, the word knowledge is found four times. It emphasizes that uh, what it accomplishes, how we get it. Um, We have to have knowledge. And and, uh, of course, in this context, it's knowledge of of God through his word. Um, The next section, beginning in verse five, he suggests that we need more than just knowledge, though we need to add character, add to your faith virtue and more knowledge and uh, self-control, and perseverance, and godliness, and brotherly kindness, and love. We need to add elements of character uh, to our knowledge. Uh, it's not just academic, but it's knowing how to live, and then measuring up to that lifestyle. And by doing those things and adding these things, the, the text promises that we can ensure our salvation or, and or our relationship with God. Um, What's curious then is Peter moves into the next paragraph, chapter 1, verse 12, by emphasizing, I'm going to remind you of these things. You already know them. I'm going to remind you again. I'm going to remind you again. And you do it yourself. You count the times. He says, I'm going to remind or I have reminded you or I am reminding you. I mean, it's all about committing this to memory, but not just committing it to memory, but bringing it forward in our in our consciousness so that we're constantly aware of it. He even said, I'm going to make sure that I'm leaving a reminder for you after I'm gone. And and so this knowledge builds character, but then it's got to be maintained with a good memory. So why this knowledge? The next section in chapter 1, verse 16, says because we're not following fairy tales. This isn't tricky stories and and a a really cool spiritual scenario that somebody made up. We're testifying and we're teaching and we're saying things that we know as eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ in his life and his teaching and his work. So this is eyewitness testimony that we're bringing to you. The next paragraph, curiously enough, says, but we've got something more sure. It's the more sure word of prophecy. Because, you know, as eyewitnesses, we might miss something or we might remember it incorrectly. But, if God is speaking His word through us, that inspired word, and if we are speaking by prophecy, as Peter is here, and that's what he's talking about, those in the New Testament times who spoke the Word of God by prophecy, that is even more sure than eyewitness testimony because it it is without the inf- the fallibility of human uh, uh, honesty and re- memory and uh, um, uh, retention. And so we have the pro- the prophetic word. Men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so if, if that's where this word is from, then that's why you need to remember it. That's why you need to know it. And that's why you need to bear it out in your character. And I think young people can understand that concept. And if you think about young people in that whole scenario, is it, that's exactly who needs to hear this message. And why? Chapter two, verse one, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there shall be, will be false teachers among you who secretly bring in destructive heresies, et cetera, et cetera. It's a fact that there have been, there are, and there will be false teachers. And that would be anybody who speaks things that contradict the truth uh, and the true knowledge of God that was given by revelation in scripture and young people need that they need to, they need the confidence that those principles bring uh, the certainty about choices um, and uh, and then that that mature realization that not everybody is speaking the truth and and then t- they need to grow up and learn to be critical in their thinking. And so I think First Peter, or excuse me, Second Peter one and, and two, and then really the third chapter as well, uh, kind of give us a, a, a skeleton.
1: Yeah, and um, just uh, kind of going off of what you said, Don, I want to make a, a comment about one of the first things that you said when, when it comes to teaching young people as a as a younger person. Um, one thing that I think is is often. Uh, Uh, a fallacy that people have in their minds is that there needs to be some kind of special new, different kind of way to teach a young person as opposed to how you approach older, more experienced people. And it almost kind of has to be spoon fed and that type of idea. But that's not something that you see really in scripture either. Um, and I think about Josiah, one of the kings in Judah, um, who I think is a really good example. You wanna talk about teens and their capability in serving the Lord. Josiah showed a lot of capability in serving the Lord at a really young age. So in Second Chronicles chapter 34, Josiah is eight years old when he begins to reign as king. And in the eighth year of his reign, in verse three, which means he's 16 years old, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. And in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem and of the high places and the ashram and all the carved metal images and that kind of thing. So like at 16 years old, he sets his heart to seek the Lord. Um, and I've seen that in my life and I know you guys have probably seen that in your life. Also um, I, I'm privileged to be able to go to some different camps over the summer um, and get to be a counselor at some of these uh, young men's camps or, or uh, Bible based camps um, where they're, you know, young people aged nine to 18 that are there. And it really blows my mind the level of spiritual maturity that those young people can have um, and the commitment that they, that they want to have in doing that. And they don't need, a spoon fed, you know, Bible lesson or, or something that's like stripped down, they can understand a lot, and they can absorb a lot, and they can commit a lot. Um, but I think it really goes back to treating them like they're capable of doing that. Um, there's like the, the old phrase, if you uh, expect, you know, failure, you're probably going to get failure. If you expect success and have high expectations for kids, they rise to the challenge uh, more times than not. So I think that's really important to see. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I don't think
1: that's right. Drew, you were going to say something a minute ago, but
0: you were muted. Yeah, thanks for bringing that to my attention. When you were talking about false teachers, and today, I don't know if you mentioned it while I was going through some technical things here, Don, but a lot of young people go to YouTube to get their information, and a lot of false teaching about Christ is found on YouTube. How how do you deal with that? What what do you suggest with that? Yeah,
2: I, I don't know. <laughs> I would sug- I would suggest that there that everybody needs to be treated in the same way. Every teacher needs to be assessed uh, and compared to scripture. Um, the 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 danger of uh, certain media is that uh, there can be a very slick finish. Uh, um, there could be a, a a moving and emotional. You break, put a soundtrack with it. You've got a very powerful, compelling kind of a kind of a presentation yeah but it is is it the truth and uh I, I think we need to encourage young people to uh, to know that the pursuit is is of, of truth and that means you've got to challenge and you've got to question um, and the word that I like to put in there is that in, in where the word tr- where I might use the word truth often I want to use the word reality um, because the word truth has been demeaned and diminished in, in, a, in a lot of places and ways. But what we're talking about, what's really real, what's true is what's real. And so, uh, you know, is the Bible real? Is, is Christ real? Is God real? And, um, and not everything you see on YouTube is real and surely everybody knows that. But
0: uh, so that's one thing, pursue truth with reality. So that's a good, you, you would start teaching our young children seek truth first primarily seek truth challenge and uh, listen to the statement then challenge it to see if it's true yeah and that's true of everyone i mean didn't the bereans do that with paul paul made made pre- his his presentation he preached the gospel and they went back to the scriptures to see if those things are true mm-hmm. yeah. and some of the
3: youtube things that are out there now are designed to move not only young people but anybody watching away from the scriptures because they're attacking uh they're attacking scripture they're attacking the gospel accounts of jesus they're attacking the very idea of whether or not there was a god the attacking whether or not there was ever a historical person named jesus uh regardless of what he taught and so and those things are having effect like don said you, you put up a slick production and you got graphics and music and stuff and people use the internet you know when i'm working on a vehicle and i want to see how to put you know how to work on a power window motor for a you know 93 ford i'm looking inside you know a a youtube video because you can find that that's that's what young people do now they go to the internet and so we need to be aware of that jonathan
1: And Dan said um, uh, about the false teachings, uh, I would think the false teaching in its own way serves its point as long as we act like the Bereans, like what Drew just brought up. We should look on YouTube. Uh, When we look on YouTube, we should be aware that the ultimate truth is in the Bible. And if we come across these teachings and search the scriptures, we're better equipped to speak against similar false teachings. Um, And that's an interesting point I think that that Dan brings up. Um, A lot of times uh, there are, I guess, like newfangled types of ideas that show up that distract people and get them away from truth but by and large a lot of the false teachings have been around for a long time and just kind of get rebranded and and uh you know come up over this cycle over and over and so once you see one you've kind of seen them all and that's not always true there's some new uh new things that come up every once in a while but um i think that's really really good to you know make yourself aware that these are out there don't just put your kids or or young people or even yourself in a bubble research, do some checking, do some looking, and it'll equip you better. So good point. Yeah.
0: For those that just came in, some people are just coming in, we're talking about a question that a viewer had submitted, how to teach teenagers the word of God so that they can see him in their lives. How can you find the way to neutralize all the false doctrines and agendas that they are exposed to? And so I want to invite the audience to also, like Dan, just give us some comments and questions you have as we're going through the topic. And I just wanted to remind our audience about that.
3: So I want us to focus on three areas, one being the point that Don's already made. And let's go to Ezra 8 and see an example of this, that in, in a lot of ways, what young people need is the same thing that what everybody else needs. And so we're going to look at when Ezra read the law um, and he didn't decide, you know, put the teenagers over there and give them a, you know, tour for teens, you know, they stood there and they listened to what everybody needed to listen to. Uh, but then there are some specific challenges that come up when we're young. And, you know, the book Proverbs is written, basically, a lot of it for young men in particular, because there's a lot of stupid decisions young men can make, and they need to listen to the wisdom of their father and their mother. And in the Proverbs wisdom, it's to give wisdom to the simple and the naive. Uh, so we'll talk some about the particular challenges. And then let's talk about the idea of inoculation. Uh, because if we if we wait for the, the people that are trying to pull away young people and others to get a hold of people, we will miss opportunities. And there's opportunities to give information ahead of time that helps give people uh, a defense and an understanding of what's going on in inoculation. But first, let's look at that in Nehemiah chapter eight. So this is as we're reading the law. All the people gathered as one man into the square before the winter gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. The what Lord, verse
0: you in? What verse you in?
3: This is Ezra. Uh, excuse me, I said Ezra. Nehemiah. Okay. Uh, Nehemiah chapter eight, and now I'm ready for verse two. So Nehemiah eight, verse two. Start about it. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men. And women and all who could understood understand what they heard on the fourth uh, first day of the seventh month, and he read it from facing the square before the Watergate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women, and those who could understand. Uh, and and he, he read it, and, and they discuss it, and. It, everybody needs to hear it. And so that's really one thing to keep in mind is to get young people involved in the Word like everybody else. Um, I'll, I'll give it one little, this is teens, but it illustrates the point. Uh, we had a wonderful family come and, and were baptized and served the Lord with us here until the, uh, a career move uh, took them out of state. But I remember when they first started coming uh, their kids came with one of our members to on Wednesday nights and came to our Bible classes. And then the mom started coming and the husband was out of the country, but then he started coming. But the reason, one of the reasons mom started coming was because she realized, wow, my kids are learning the Bible. Because this is what they had been learning where they had been going before. Like they would go to Bible class and they would learn, they would be studying David and they would learn about David's sheep. Fluffy, muffy, and maybe cottontail, I'm not sure. And you can see exactly what was going on in that class, right? You've got some little kids. And so instead of teaching them Bible, it was like, you know, daycare or or kindergarten or something. And let's make some little kids stories that will relate to the little kids. But they were making it up and they weren't teaching, instead of teaching the Bible, they're just trying to treat children like little children Uh, and and make this like it's some you know child's book uh, a storybook or something and people can do the same thing with teenagers when they think oh there's there's been websites where you can build your sermon around the last blockbuster movie and so you know if if spider-man comes out again then here's the sermon and the verses and you you know that you use to build it around spider-man and you see the mentality it's like people don't want to hear the Bible, but if we make it about Spider-Man, listen, your sermon about Spider-Man is not going to be as spidery as them getting to watch Spider-Man. So it, you're competing <laughs> on the wrong level. They don't. You, you don't need to be trying to compete there. What you need to be giving them is the Word. Comments or thoughts on any of that?
1: And that's also what the scriptures say, Um, I think we're going to mention, and you've already mentioned a little bit, Scott, um, in the wisdom literature, I think you want to teach young people, wisdom literature is some of the best places to go and to start. Particularly in my opinion, um, and I'm sure there are a lot of places you can go, but particularly in Ecclesiastes. Um, I've spent a lot of time recently reading through Ecclesiastes and seeing some different things. And each time that I read through it, um, it's a really cool book. Um, it's kind of hard to understand in certain parts, but it just explores life. And just let's talk about what life is and where true fulfillment is and where, uh, you know, true joy is and lasting uh, you know value and that type of stuff. And how the book ends in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 is the admonition from Solomon saying, Ecclesiastes 12, verse one, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And he goes on to talk about a lot of the challenges in committing yourself to the Lord at an at a later time, there's a lot of benefits for young people to start figuring out things in life early. And uh, I, I really wish like I'm 25, and have recently just gotten done studying through Ecclesiastes. And after I got finished reading through it this time, uh, I remember having the distinct thought of, I wish I would have read this when I was 10 mm-hmm. because that would have changed my teenage years. Uh, I would have I would have at least known some of the things to not do. And a lot of the mistakes that I made in my teenage years, I would have been like, oh yeah, don't do that because here's a good reason why. Um, and uh, yeah. You
0: Don, you had mentioned earlier, um about uh, uh, people don't young people specifically, and I think we can all identify with is that we don't feel like we're understood. We, we, we don't. We feel like maybe people don't hear us. What 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 uh, what comments did, can you make about that? What do we? What should adults and parents be doing?
2: Yeah, I, I think as Scott mentioned a while ago, we we need to we need to talk to and teach young people the same way we teach uh, older people, um, and but. As you said, there are challenges for young people, and one of them that if we're listening to them, we hear them say, you're not listening to me, and we need to listen to them. And and, uh, um, I think uh, one of the key elements in teaching teenagers is to treat them with respect, And, and we can't fake respect, we need to actually respect them. And understand that they are intelligent. That they've—they're uh, facing issues that maybe we have not. Uh, that maybe we don't understand everything they're going through. So, you know, these are the things that we hear young people say. Uh, you don't—you don't even know me. You don't know what I'm—what I'm up against. And, uh, and that should be a reminder of us to us to pay attention and start listening and asking questions. I tell you, people—I have found that people are quicker to listen to me. After I have listened to them, and it's and I need to listen to more than one sentence, and and I need to hear them ask about eight questions before I really try to answer one of any any one significant question. Um, and and I think we need to build that respect and, and pay attention to them, and and that'll help us answer them in a, in a way that'll help them.
3: And watch so. out for assumptions. Um sometimes a young person or an old person is getting involved in some vice in their life and they're trying to justify it and so now they're trying to find a way to discredit the Lord or his word and and they have a motive for that because they're trying to justify this lifestyle or this behavior but don't presume that too many times a young person if they have a question they've been challenged you know, they, they've watched some video or something they think, oh, it's, is that true? Or they, you know, they went to their high school or college biology class and, well, it looks like, you know, it's, so we did a ball from mates. but I thought, and if they start bringing up these questions, one, don't shoot them down and, and act like they're not supposed to ask questions. Okay. Questions are good things. Secondly, don't just assume, and they say, well, if you're having any doubts, there's probably something in your life that you're trying to excuse. Well, that may be the case, but why presume that? Because it may be that they haven't, maybe they've been short on some knowledge, of foundational knowledge, and now they're hearing these facts and they're really having doubts and concern, and that's not helpful at all to then just accuse them of they must be up up to you know, misbehavior, otherwise they wouldn't have asked that question. Don't do that. Uh, and uh, back to Jonathan, what he was saying about uh, wisdom literature. Uh, so a uh, fellow and his uh, teenage son came over the other day, and we had some good discussion, and part of the time we spent in Proverbs, just listen to a few verses here. Uh, starting in verse 2 of Proverbs 1, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, Uh, verse four to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth um and it goes in now i told the young man i said here's here's a uh he had recently had a COVID test and i said here's another test and you this you can self-administer this if you want to know if you're a fool or not how do you respond to correction because the book of proverbs says over and over words to this effect correct wise man and he'll be wiser still you know they'll love you for it you know the wise appreciate correction but what's the message in proverbs over and over about the fool what does he feel about he hates, yeah it's correction so i said stop and think when your mom and your dad correct you what's your reaction if you hate being corrected well you got a bad case of being a fool you know but you don't have to stay there uh and then uh down in verse 8 hear my son your father's instruction Forsake not your mother's teaching and this idea will be repeated uh later more and it's just so fundamental we come into this world without all the knowledge but our parents have been there before and so one of the things in this part of wisdom literature is yes listen to the word of god and listen to your father and listen to your mother uh and then as paul says you know obey your parents honor your father and mother these things are real fundamental and one thing that we can do with teens is help them think past the immediate moment. There's one thing that teenagers get wrapped up in is immediate gratification. Uh, can you think of a generation of people where pretty much the entire generation kept looking at what was immediately in front of them and not focusing down the road a little bit?
1: Who am I thinking of? Talking about the Israelites in the wilderness? Yeah,
3: yeah. And and that's it's it's almost like there were a bunch of teenagers, you know. Uh, but to help teenagers look look farther. And so sometimes it's helpful to help them envision their life later and realize that choices that we make now affect where we get to and things have trajectory. And some of those discussions are really important. Other thoughts, anybody on any of this, Don?
2: Yeah, on, on jumping off that last point there about helping helping them look down the line you know in most of the things serious things that we try to convey to young people about serving the lord or about anything good and right about life in general um you don't just tell them one time any more than 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 i get the message in in one statement and then for the rest of my life i'm a changed person it just we just don't function that way and i think we need to uh um be satisfied not to finish the job in one conversation.
3: Sure.
2: You know, raise the warning, ask the questions, pursue whatever course seems appropriate, and then when feel find a place where you can pause it and say, "Okay, well, we need to talk about this some more," and and uh, uh, and then and then follow up, of course. But um, however that works out logistically is not nearly nearly as important as. Approaching it from the standpoint of, I'm going to give you the definitive answer here, and if that doesn't settle it for you, we're done. And yeah. and I, I think we lose opportunities with young people when we are not patient with them in their doubt or their questions and, and their challenges.
3: Backing up what Don just said, remember Deuteronomy chapter 6, Fathers in Israel. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, not just, yeah, I said it three years ago, hope you remember. That's that's not how it works, very good point. Other thoughts?
1: I also think um, that uh, another viewpoint that could be helpful uh, in realizing that young people are kind of at the stage where uh, they're in a really unique opportunity of figuring out their life Um, and that's helpful and also dangerous at the same time, because there are a lot of things that you think that you know and you understand about life when you're 18, that when you get to 25 where I'm at right now, you realize I had no idea, <laughs> like like I was totally lost. But when you're 18, you think you do. There, there There's so much potential into being, being able to direct that in a positive way, but also a lot of potential in directing that in a negative way. Um, and if we're not proactive in helping fill that void and direct their lives, the world will certainly be proactive in helping direct and, and point young people in the direction that they think they should go. And so as far as lifestyle or moral beliefs or character building or whatever, the world has all kinds of answers of what the best way to do that is. And uh, it, being proactive and like what don said piggybacking off of what what he just said just a one and done is not going to work because there's going to be a constant bombardment from the world of yeah. this is a better way so there needs to be a counter bombardment of saying no this is the right way from scriptures and how to do things
3: that's the really uh, point because the world is diligent in the attacks it's you know it's going to be coming from some things in the school system from some of their schoolmates over the internet you know, it, it, the, the, it just—it's constantly coming in. They're dealt to, that. would need to be delta response. True.
0: Yeah, I don't. Don, you referred to Second Peter before. I don't know if you brought the point up, but you had said it that you wanted to. You, we need to hear the message again and. and uh, keep repeating these things, and that's what Peter said, right? In uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 11, after going through all of the Christian uh, characteristics and attributes, he says, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in them, in the truth that you have. So they already knew these things, they were establishing things and he does not apologize for reminding them of these things.
3: Let's go over a few of the things that are not effective. And by the way, as we do this, um, we're talking in general here. Uh, different people have different personalities, different parents have different parenting skills. And different things. Uh, if, you, if you're if you a good person and you're trying to help a young person and you're pointing them toward the word of God, that's the core things that you need right there. Uh, and if one person does it a little bit different than another, you don't need somebody else micromanaging what you're doing. So the, it, understanding that there's variability in individuals and in individual teens, different families and such. But there are some general tendencies that I think tend to be mistaken. So let's talk for a few minutes about things that are not effective. And then we've got a little over 10 minutes left in the program. I want to save a few minutes at the end to talk about inoculation, but first, John.
1: Yeah, before we do that, let me just remind the audience what we're talking about. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about uh, teaching teens, young people, uh, and different things that are effective and ineffective uh, in doing that. So if you're just now tuning in, uh, feel free to leave your comments in the comment box or the Q&A box or on Facebook in the comment section, and we'll get to those as we keep going through. So things
3: that are not particularly effective that sometimes people think is effective or by default to slip into, and because time's short, if we'll kind of do to this in bullet points, like, you know, name one, give a scripture, an example, uh, or, or something or name, another name, another, let's see if we can get several things in there. What are some common approaches that people think, Oh, this is what teens need. This'll be effective. They're not
0: necessarily effective bullet points. Oh, don't, don't try to act like a teen try to be cool, to be hip, that that's going to, it may work for a little bit, but uh, I don't know, one of you said it, yeah, until they find somebody cooler. they'll. It's like the Spider-Man approach thing too, you know,
3: talking about Spider-Man in your sermon is not going to make it a good sermon, and it's definitely not going to make it a good Spider-Man episode, it's just, it's just a watch of in between, go ahead Jonathan.
1: Uh, let me also just just mention really quick. We, we were talking about this earlier before the show but i, I want to bring up i think a really great example of of that in the opposite sense um uh, man all of us know and maybe some of our audience knows gary fisher um who uh, uh i'm firsthand experience the the effectiveness that gary can have on a young person gary really kind of tried to take me under his wing whenever i was maybe 12 or 13 years old um, and really helped me in a lot of ways and the thing with gary um gary doesn't try to be cool he doesn't drive a cool car he doesn't listen to cool music he doesn't you know watch all the cool new movies and all that kind of stuff gary just wants to tell people about the bible and the thing that i really appreciate about gary is i don't know anyone else really that even comes close to the deep level of care that you can just feel from gary you just in talking to him you just know he loves me. (laughs) Like, and maybe you just met him, but you can just tell he loves me so much. And that's just so important, I think. And kids feel that that they understand they know when someone really cares about them and has their best interest at heart. Um, And so that's just kind of piggybacking off what Drew said.
3: Absolutely. Uh, He has helped so many hundreds, thousands of of especially young men, but uh, young people in general, also across this this country. Uh, A lot of people head over for his year-end study. Uh, So many young men, I I think Gary gets maybe thousands of texts from people a month, you know, helping young people and stuff. I don't know anybody that is as effective as young people uh, broadly and deeply as Gary Fisher. And he he didn't, it's not because he checked off the, the boxes of what a marketer would have thought, this is a guy that will relate well to young people. It's because he cares about them. He's a good student of the Bible. He's dedicated to it, and he cares about those young people, and they know it. And that's that's where it comes through. Don, look like you were going to say something.
0: i unmute your mic, Don. Thank you, thank you.
2: Uh, one thing we should avoid. Is uh, exaggerating or misrepresenting a little bit, so we can uh, frighten our young people into something, whether it's staying away from drugs and alcohol, or uh, uh, behavior in dating, or 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 not praying enough. In, in, um, uh, we we'll just be exposed as false false people ourselves, and uh, we're caught at that. Um, and they don't need to be frightened; they need to be taught. They need to understand again truth and reality, and so I think uh, don't feel like we have to scare our kids into to serving the Lord. We we just need to teach them uh, and stay with the, with the truth.
1: Um. Yeah, going on with that, we had a comment from uh, TJ that said uh, one problem uh, would be making it seem like sexuality is sinful, unspeakable and shameful. It would be better to teach about marriage and how it does not belong outside of marriage, how sexuality does not belong outside of marriage, then you see it's absolutely sinful. Um, and that really pretty much exactly what Don said of, of overemphasizing somebody to the point that it isn't really true um, and kind of scaring people in that way.
3: Yeah, it, it, to to paint a little bit of picture of this. When we're trot, when we're overreacting, acting scary, saying things that aren't true, it just undermines our credibility. So if you're trying to talk to your kids about drugs, don't, don't those drug dealers They'll, you know, you watched a few too many movies, you know, and sure there's that into the drug business, but if your kid is getting their pot from their cousin, that's two years older than them, you know, and you tell them if you do drugs, you know, you're going to be shot down by these drug dealers. They're sitting there thinking, I don't think my cousin's going to shoot me in their mind. And it, it, it's, you know, we, when you when you overstate a case, and there's reasons to warn kids against drugs without misrepresenting or, or or other thing. When you overstate your case, when you overreact, that's going to look, and then they start thinking that everything you're saying is like that.
1: So it's. Scott, you also mentioned um, along the same lines of that, but in combating false teaching, sometimes it can be really tempting to uh, just form a really quick like straw man and tear that down. Do you have some examples of that or, or thoughts on that? I I, was,
3: I said that earlier and now I'm thinking in a little bit different direction. So I'm falling <laughs> and failing right there. But uh, the idea was strong, you, you put something up here and then you attack it and you knock it down easily but that wasn't the real thing. It was just something artificial that you put up there. And and, and that's not effective. Uh, and I, I wanna say a word here about inoculating uh, our kids. When your kids uh, go to school, they're gonna be hearing a lot of things that are undermining what you're saying. When they go to university, they're going to be hearing a lot of things designed to undermine what you and what the word is saying mistake number one just don't worry about it you know take your kids to church and figure that'll do the job that's not going to do the job one of the sadder statements i heard one time in, in a particular way of sadness was this a man uh visited in the hospital all four of his kids 40s middle aged not a single one was faithful and this is what he said he said i don't know what happened We took them to church all those years. And in that one statement, you saw what happened. He thought that taking them to church on a Sunday and a Wednesday was going to be the spiritual upbringing that they needed. That's not raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and, and teaching them diligently. And when you walk in the way and stuff, that's that's, that's not going to do it. The world is constantly doing this. Uh, another mistake is just thinking, well, this is typical teenagers. What's the typical adult like in the United States? Godly, humble, righteous? Is that the typical adult? No. Right, so <laughs> if you're accepting typical teenage behavior, guess what typical teenage behavior turns into? typical adults yeah yeah so if that's all you want out of your kids then sure just say oh they're a teen that's what teens do if you want them to be different as an adult you need to help train them to be different as teens comments out there and i'll i'll take the last two minutes to talk about inoculation a bit but other comments anybody and jonathan i'm sorry i dropped that question
1: <laughs> no it's fine it's okay
2: i um, mute Don- your mic do I'm doing it again. Okay, I'll go back one more time to Second Peter, and I think this is uh, inherently powerful, the placement of this uh, statement, uh, and, and in your faith add virtue, knowledge, patience, um, uh, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. I think the character uh, of the of the teacher and of the examples in the home, or of if you're talking to young people that are not a part of your family, they have got to see character, and you have to call them to character. It's not just about what you can and cannot do. It's what you want to be. It's, it, and, and all the way through the scripture, that really is the issue, not about what you do, but it's about what you become by what you do. And so character is inherently essential in this matter of knowing God, knowing the truth, and defending ourselves against false teaching. Uh, You know, what does the the end result of false teaching is going to be changed behavior and not for the good.
0: Good point.
3: On inoculation, I want to say this. There's so many attacks, not just on what Bible doctrine, you know, like Calvinism or something like that. But really what's pulling a lot of kids away is things that just undermine the idea of Scripture and, and the existence of God and the identity of Jesus himself. And it's coming in from everywhere. And it's coming in on YouTube and different things. If you don't talk to your kids about these things, then they get hit with this stuff. They don't have any answer. They don't, And if they don't have a reason for what they believe, listen, you know why most people in Italy are Catholic? Because their parents were. Why are most people in, say, a Hindu village Hindu? Because their parents were. If our children are only believers because we are, how deep is that? It needs to go deeper than that. So there needs to be some study about reasons to believe. First Peter three, you know, be able to give an answers when somebody asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. But also, it's helpful to be able to defend against some of these attacks. But be careful. Just because some, just like there's a bunch of nonsense on YouTube attacking the Bible. There's some nonsense on YouTube and websites promoting the Bible. Uh, don't have time to talk about it, but, oh. D- <laughs> there used to be a website called, uh, it had a profanity in it, so I'll avoid that, but it was lies by creationists. And the number one lie was the Velocifitz mammoth. And people, are, it, it, this was even introduced into a bill tried to get passed in one of the state legislators, this quote. Uh, is about this Velociraptor mammoth that, according to creationists, they carbon dated, and part of him was one age, and part of him was the other age. And it's not true. Uh, they, 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 they 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 made... I mean, mistakes like that happen. You mean what the but creationists... creationists was,
0: what you're saying is the creation... What the creationists oh, said true. was not true. Right. right.
3: Yes, and this has been it's been on the radio coast to coast. It's been in, all over the place. You can re- Type in Google Velosovich mammoth, you'll probably find somebody talking about it, and they quote that it's this Alaskan mammoth, and they quote this U.S. publication. Well, if you go to that U.S. publication, it's not there. You know why? Way back when, one creationist missed a footnote number, and they went with the wrong thing. Guess where, just take a guess, guys, where would a Velosovich mammoth likely have been dug up? Alaska or...
0: Russia? Yeah,
3: it's a Russian mammoth. They got the wrong one and they've cited it wrong. And everybody since then was copying and pasting, copying and pasting, repeating, repeating, repeating. And like I said, it even got introduced into legislation. You know, so watch out for stuff like that. Don't just copy and paste and repeat. There's a whole bunch of other ridiculous stuff on that. Uh, but also some of these videos out there, just absolutely ridiculous claims by atheists. And uh, I'll say this in winding up. I did a series on evidences uh, recently um, out of state, and one of the things that I did, I did some positive presentations of evidence in in Scripture, and then I did some rebuttals of rebutting some of these YouTube videos. And after the first uh, lesson, I think it was, one of the fellows got up and he said, "This is important stuff. This is the very some of the very stuff that caused my son." You know to leave the lord and then a lady at the end of the week was talking about everything here is spot on this is exactly the stuff that my friends are hearing well if you'll go through and you'll look at some of those attack videos and see where their arguments are true and then show that if you show a team that ahead of time like i, I give you just one the idea that uh a human jesus was a later legend in the gospels the earliest documents back close to Uh, that were written early, don't even ever talk about earthly Jesus. So Richard Carrier, a PhD historian that says Jesus probably never even existed, says there's nothing in his writings to show that he was an earthly being. Really? What does Philippians 2 say?
1: Damon dwelt in the flesh.
3: (laughs) Yes, yes. What does 1 Corinthians 15 say? Died and was buried, you know, and, and but he talks about I've been surprised that I couldn't find you know any support in Paul's writings that he was a human being. Yeah, show that now when he's talking he sounds very intelligent. Show it you know go through inoculate young people so they they see oh yeah that's nonsense. Then they're better protected. Good. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Well, thank you guys for your discussion this afternoon. Thank you, Don, for joining us um, this week. And uh, to our audience, thank you for your participation uh, and the comments and questions you all had. If uh, anyone in the audience or anyone downloading this podcast later has any other comments or thoughts, questions on this topic, or any other uh, topic that you want us to discuss on the show, you can submit that to us at biblequest.org. And we'll be happy to talk about that in our future shows. But that's all we have for this week. So we'll see you all next time, Lord willing.